Welcome to the MPI podcast. This episode is sponsored by Marriott International. Please help me welcome Kathy Mao, Marriott International's Vice President of Global Sales for the U.S. and Canada, and Annette Gregg, Senior Vice President of Experience for MPI. Together, we discuss the shift in attendee expectations, learning formats, and engagement at live events. So Kathy and Annette, thank you both so much for joining us on this edition of our MPI podcast. We have a lot of great content that we are going to cover over the next 20 minutes or so together. Um, and it could not be more relevant as our industry starts to see more in-person meetings coming back, which is extremely exciting for all of us. Um, there are a lot of variables, right? And a lot of different event elements and expectations and design and learning formats that have shifted um, due to the pandemic and how we are meeting face-to-face again. Um, I actually, my team and I just uh, are fresh off of a production for a hybrid event at one of your beautiful properties, Kathy, the Orlando World Center Marriott. And um, I've got to say that the hotel did a phenomenal job at um, playing into some of the expectations for both attendees and um, the organizers, really supporting the organizers in their mission to accomplish a successful hybrid event. So those are some of the key things that we want to cover uh, together today. So diving right into the attendee expectation first. Annette, I know uh, you and the team at MPI have actually executed not one, but two, <laughs> God bless you, two right. um, WECs in person, uh, actually hybrid, I should say, mm-hmm. um, in six months, really, in six mm-hmm. months time frame. So um, attending expectations, how have those shifted from what you've been able to see, Annette? Thanks, Sarah. Well, it was a really interesting learning. So when we had our first hybrid experience during the pandemic and uh November of last year, we saw obviously more people tune in online than came in person. It was about 800 or so in person, maybe 1,200 online. And there was still this kind of exploration with the virtual uh, and hybrid experience because we were still kind of all learning it. So we saw a lot more interaction between our live audience and our virtual audience. We had some really fun tether points in there. And um, and uh, uh, everyone was kind of eyes wide open. And then you, you go just about seven or eight months later and we're in Vegas and we had about 1200 people um, live in person and then just about 600 online. So almost that shift. And what we saw is there was much um, it, people were just so much more excited to be together because that was a, really one of the first times that a lot of people had traveled. So we kind of joked like, wow, we had some empty classrooms in full hallways because we, we organized uh, and really designed this whole educational experience with a little bit of a nod to our past, which is let's pack out all these concurrent sessions and give them all this great education to choose from. But remember, there had been a year and a half with people learning online. And so content, maybe, I don't want to say it's not as important, it maybe was not the driver that they showed up in Vegas. They really showed up because they finally felt safe enough to do so, and they really wanted to be together and really embrace just the the way of collaborating spontaneously. So that was a big learning for us is that they wanted more flexibility in their schedule. They didn't need to be sitting in a classroom environment for eight hours a day, which was kind of our normal approach of like showing value add by number of clock hours. 
and, um, and and really just wanted enough ways to collaborate and brainstorm and what we call like social learning. Um, and then I'll, I'll end with this question was just that duty of care was a given. You know, we really rolled that out very clearly in Grapevine and it was one of the first conferences that was happening during the pandemic. And then by the time we got to Vegas, uh, it was a given that we were going to produce a safe event, that we were taking care of our attendees, that we had the daily temperature checks. And so it was kind of table stakes to even say, hey, we're having a live conference is that we had to do this very, very um, clearly with a, uh, a lot of care around safety. And then we're communicating often about that. Yeah, I, and that learning journey happens not just, um, you know, just internally within MPI, but obviously you collaborate with your hotel partners. So, you know, Kathy, for, for you and the team at Marriott, you've been hosting learning labs. Um, and, and I love that because you really are focusing on your customers as they too are going through their own learning journey of how to reconvene and do so safely. So from your standpoint, um, and when we talk about attendee expectation as a hotel guest, um, but also a, a conference participant, what are you doing to help educate your customers on those variations of expectations as an event attendee? Um, I will say the learning labs have been so well received and were a direct result of us engaging with our customers. We have different customer advisory boards across different segments of business and we were tapping into them very frequently, you know, over the past you know, year and a half to learn from each other. What are you experiencing? Where are you having needs? And it became very clear, right, that there was um, a very large subset of these customers that were wanting to have meetings um, and didn't quite know how to do that. And, you know, and I, it wasn't all, right, because we have some customers that are used to doing hybrid events and their virtual elements, so they were good to go. Um, and so how do we do that in this environment with all the restrictions on gathering and so on? And um, we came up with the idea of learning labs and we would did this across, we've done it across so far 11 markets um, and have had about 3000 of our customers go through these. Very small hands-on um, approach to learning how to do it where we actually go in and kind of do a whole different vignettes of show and tell, so to speak, almost of here's how you would do registration in this environment. Here's how you space everyone out. Here's how you do COVID testing, you know, and some partners to think about. Here's the different types of technology platforms um, and things that you need to think about regarding bandwidth and everything else. So having them physically go through, ask questions of the experts that were there, really help them understand what they needed to do to go back to their their you know leaders their board of directors whoever it is and say we can do this and this is why so and and the other uh component kathy that i think we've seen as a shift and i love that you are putting your customers in the attendee shoes mm -hmm. as a an active participant at an in-person mm -hmm. meeting but along with that um, part of keeping your um, attendees expectations in line, especially around safety, is that communication factor. Yes. So how is Marriott working with customers to ensure that the over communication of safety is taking place? And I think, Sarah, that's really key. It's over communicating or what you may think is over communicating, but it's not. Um, and that's what we've learned. It's it. 
you can't over communicate not only with your attendees to help them understand what to expect, what are the well-being protocols that you're putting in place to make them feel safe in attending um, of the live event? Um, what, what other safety elements are being thought about put into the meeting? Um, you don't want them to have any surprises, right? If they have any hesitation, then they may choose to do it virtually versus in person. Um, so over communicating not only to the attendees we found is extremely important, but also with the hotel. So as you're planning different things and you're thinking through different elements of your meeting, um, making sure that you are just almost over communicating with your event planner, your event manager on what you need to accomplish. And it, I'm living this right now. We are planning this event um, in Orlando at the end of August. Um, we are anticipating about 800 people. And we are now doing weekly communication, um, constantly talking with a hotel as well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things in the news right now that are going on, especially in Florida. And so we're having to take all those things into consideration. And the feedback I am getting from the communication is um, phenomenal. Uh, thank you. We, this helps me feel comfortable, comfortable in going. Because of, because of this communication, I was able to get clearance to travel when our company policy is not to. So that's, I think, the big key message. Yeah, that transparency piece, I think, is a huge part of that attendee expectation. Um, and it does make a difference. I mean, the event that I shared with you that we just wrapped at the Orlando World Center Marriott, also in Orlando, mm -hmm. um, they were really, really fabulous at working alongside um, the event organizers and ensuring that the communication was uh, collaborative, right? So it came from both the hotel and the event organizer uh, ahead of the conference and us even as vendors, we were part of that communication just so I knew that my team was also going to be safe as mm -hmm. uh, in-person attendees of this meeting. So I think that communication and over-communication piece is huge and also doing so while the event is going on. So communicating if there are any, you know, positive cases that have occurred and if so how you're doing the contact tracing and um, the hotel was offering you know on-site testing and it just it was it felt very comfortable um, mm -hmm. for for all involved so thank you uh, to you and your team for working with our organizers to ensure that you know we keep our meetings in person um, but do so safely so mm -hmm. Along with that, learning has shifted. And Annette, you sort of brought light to this a little bit. And I love the point that you made about, um, you know, we've been learning online for over a year now and people just want to connect. So when we're talking about the change in learning formats and learning design, following WEC Vegas, which was just a few short months ago, what is some of the feedback that you received from both your digital audience, but also your in-person? Yeah, um, it, it's really a time for us to reevaluate our our current kind of meet, meeting or conference architecture. And really, that some of these things have been truth all along, but it kind of underscored these during a time where there was an onslaught of online education and and 
it's it's kind of one way communication. You know, the, the tough thing about hybrid and virtual, it's largely somebody talking at you. It's really hard to get that, you know, break into breakout groups and really get robust discussion. It's just harder when it's on. It's not impossible. But if you're an exhibitor and an online exhibitor and you're trying to get somebody to come to your booth, you're going to have to really design that online experience and really have a compelling reason for someone to through that online platform, get over to, to find your virtual booth. You got to give it some thought. And that also goes, you know, for the content strategy, how do you make it compelling? And so whether or not you're continuing on in a virtual or a live uh, or in person or a hybrid, I still think these um, these kind of principles apply. So the, you, know, you start with what's known as the applied behavioral science learning pyramid. And what we know from neuroscience is that the least effective way of communicating and teaching as far as retention is lecture and audiovisual. So lecture reading and audio audiovisual only get up to 20% retention out of an audience. The things that get the highest levels of retention out of an audience are discussion, practice, and teaching others. And that gets you anywhere from 50 to 90%. So how do we create, again, no matter if you're live or virtual or in-person or virtual, how are you creating a, a situation where people are teaching others, where people have practice uh, uh, opportunities, they can get hands-on practice, or they're at the very least discussing with their peer set. So we call that social learning. And that really, as a meeting architect, we really need to make sure that we're building that into the variety of ways we're getting, uh, we're distributing content. Kathy, um, thank you, Annette, for that. That's wonderful information. And then Kathy, with you, and again, through these learning labs and your customer advisory board, um, how are you also aiding in the education of the event organizer to ensure that they're thinking of the attendee behavior and how they are different, right, through, through this pandemic? I, you know, it is the hands-on pieces, um, um, as Annette was saying, it's so critical. And with the learning labs, that's where we found the aha moments um, as it's gone through, because as they've gone through those learning labs, they are also an attendee, right, of the event. And so they're there to learn, uh, but then because they're also feeling these different, you know, as an attendee, it really sinks in. Um, and so we, those have just been um, a home run as far as helping them not experience and understand um, what it is that they need to be able to articulate and communicate as a result of um, attending a meeting. I, I, I truly feel, you know, for meeting planners, once you attend a meeting, that, that's a hybrid meeting or, or your first face-to-face -face meeting, if you haven't already, that's when things are gonna start sinking in for you. It's so true. You do have that aha moment when you experience in person how it's yeah. done today versus you know pre-pandemic. Um, along with that, uh, the FNB, we, we've been talking about event design well before COVID, right? Like event design has always been part of our vocabulary, um, particularly over the past couple of years, because we are really here to create and design an experience. So when we look at food and beverage, um, that's very much a big component of an event experience for in-person attendees, of course. There have been so many shifts and, and variables and, and things that are constantly evolving with FNB um, with the pandemic. So Kathy, let's go to you on that event design component and focusing on food and beverage. What are your properties doing to 
um, stick with the times, if you will, and all of the, the changes? Uh, there has been um, so much evolution in the food and beverage space. Um, and I have to say that what I see, what our properties, what our company is doing, you know, not only in guidance to the properties, but what I see in their execution of things is so much creativity. You know, originally, you know, when things first started happening with the pandemic and there was a lot more unknowns, right? Um, it was, there was so much packaging that was required. Um, and now I think we've been able to learn and grow and have to move away from some of that which helps very much with sustainability and with cost, quite frankly. So we're learning um, and adapting as we go. But I have to say that um, it, it's hard for me to describe what I would recommend because um, we've been capturing all these different things as we have um, a site on events, MarriottBonvoyEvents.com. We have been uploading all kinds of information, not only on different resources for planners to you know, consider, but images. So our properties have been uploading all types of images of things that they've done creatively because um, the buffet, believe it or not, is actually making a somewhat of a comeback. It looks very different. Um, it feels very different, but it is making a comeback. And I would just encourage those, if you have the time to go and look and see some of the creative things that are getting posted from actual live events. Yeah, I um, actually, the meeting that I was just at, I was so excited to see buffets again. <laughs> but they, they, they did, they, though, right? They, they do. Well, and, and you know what I noticed? They actually had more of the same buffet stations, but more of them to help separate the the crowd right the attendees so um it was really well done it was very well done and also they were um serving us like you weren't serving mm -hmm. yourself which was right. you know different as well so um they are making a little bit of a comeback but yeah, I, I love the again transparency and the use of visuals to say hey look here's how we're doing things different groups are doing things take a look for yourself um annette along with that is event design is contactless right so we are seeing a shift in in that as well. So can you speak to that contactless component of event design? Yeah, I do think it's interesting too. And I do think the venue, uh, Kathy, is so important in this. And, and when you think event design, you almost want to think about experience design, right? Every single mm -hmm. touch point that that attendee is experiencing um, from the minute they hit your property till till they walk into my meeting to the minute they leave. And I know that uh, Mary, it's doing a wonderful, really you can do almost everything from your phone now, right? From checking in to ordering food and beverage. And I think that if you are an event producer and a, a meeting organizer, think producer, because that is how the consumer has been trained, especially uh, over the last year and a half, that we have been entertained from our couches for a year and a half and we've done everything on our phone and we know uh, how to get quick learning out of you know TikTok videos and we know what reality TV is. So if you looked at like, as far as like preferences, consumer preferences, those are the same people that are attending our meetings. So how do we, when we think about experience design, how do we create an experience that's similar to what they're used to when they go out and buy products or experience entertainment on the outside? Whether, I, I know my son has an, an Oculus headset, you know, and, and so can we create virtual um, 
a, a virtual uh, site inspection gallery where people put on an Oculus and they walk through, uh, you know, New Orleans on their own. Um, or again, we have a TikTok type learning, micro learning environment where everybody comes in and they're in a theater and they get quick two minute learning videos. Uh, so I think that that is going to be the wave of the future if we really want to keep capture the hearts and minds of our meeting attendees and if they if we want them to feel like they made a good investment of their time and resources and money uh, is we they need to be entertained as well as um, you know educated. Yeah, you really need to um, hone in on what has been popular over the past year and implement that into your meetings. I mean, we really cannot meet the same way that we were before. And, and it really is what you said earlier, Annette, embracing the full experience. So you really do expect an experience from the moment you land to, you know, when your meeting is over. Kathy, talking about that experience piece, um, we, you know, briefly touched on the fact that everything can be done from your phone. I know as a hotel guest, I have loved the um, ease of access to literally everything and anything through my handy dandy um, mobile device that is always in my hand or never too far from me. So how um, are your properties, you know, really uh, embracing that technology? And is there any feedback that you've received from some of your customers about that experience? So we are very much investing in this space and we were starting to do so, you know, before the pandemic, but really um, not accelerated our efforts in this space as a result, uh, because there is a need from the consumer to have a contactless um, experience based on, you know, just what we've learned from concerns with transmission and so on. Um, the thing that I find really interesting now is um, what a guest can do with their handy dandy mobile device, as you say. Um, you can check in, you can order food through there, you can uh, contact the front desk, request additional towels, request a late checkout, whatever it is that you wouldn't typically go to a front desk for or call. Um, I was able to also um, control my TV uh, with my phone as the remote versus touching the remote in the room and then check out. So we have received very positive feedback on these features and are seeing much more adoption of this technology, not to lose sight of the hospitality aspect, but because it's just much more efficient and you can spend the time then that you need to get things done whatever the purpose was of your trip in the first place, you're not waiting in line, you're there, ex you know, experiencing what you came for. Yeah, um, it's again, keeping up with, with the times. And I, I try to be an optimist, right? And you have to find silver linings after a crazy year that we've all experienced, particularly in our space and hospitality. And it's been really, really neat to see the acceleration, love that word that you used, Kathy, of everything from how we learn to our technology. And um, I, I think it's actually enhanced the hospitality experience because now you do have a mix of both. You have you know, the in-person and the ability to have a conversation with someone at the front desk if that's your preference, but you also can have the ease of checking in and out early. And if you're in a rush and you know, that adds to your hospitality experience, the ease of right. everything right at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, thank you both so much for your insight and knowledge and um, all of your contributions to the industry. We really appreciate it. I think this is still very much a time of learning for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something new to learn every single day as our <laughs> worlds continue to shift, right? So thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and uh, hope I get to see you both in person very soon. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MPI podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Married International. To listen to previous podcasts, head over to mpi.org.